0: Greetings space peeps from space JK. I am not in space. I'm on planet Earth. But what's up? What's up? Hello. Yes, we're starting this episode a little bit early today. I was just so excited, honestly, to kind of jump into everything um, that i am literally been reading for the past hour about this black hole image. And um, yeah, again, I was just super excited. So I had to had to start live. So to those of my friends in the future who are listening to the recording of this. uh, Hello. Hope you're doing well, and uh, I hope you've already had a chance to look at this black hole image. Um, So welcome to Space Talk. This is uh, episode, let's see, 72, more like episode probably 75, because there were quite a few episodes I just never put a number to for some reason. Um, But hello, hello. So if you are listening in either live or the recording, uh, go ahead and check out the image of this episode. That is the legitimate real image that we're going to be talking about today that is the picture of the black hole of the uh of, of the milky way galaxy this is at the very very center the supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy and we're going to kind of break down a little bit of the image we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about what black holes are what the what a supermassive black hole is versus other types of black holes um and then we're going to kind of just yeah so maybe also i'll bring some some of you guys on and we'll sort of just share reactions to this picture um so, yeah, first off, let's kind of kick off a, uh, let's see, today's episode with a question, which I like to typically do. For some reason, the thought came to me of what your favorite drink is, and maybe because coffee has kind of been on my mind a lot lately, as I've been sort of uh, detoxing slightly from coffee, still having it quite a lot, but but not actually, no, not that much. I haven't been able to really finish my uh, my coffee drinks lately. Um and I've been really kind of more on a tea kick and I recently tried yerba mate. Yerba mate, I remember having Brazilian friends making this, uh, when I had roommates that were Brazilian, uh, people from Brazil, Brazilian friends. This was mainly Brazilian models. This is when I was living in different, <laughs> different model apartments around the world. And, uh, they would bring these really cool drink like vases that they would mix this yerba mate leaf in. And then they would uh, add boiling water to it and uh, and then would drink it with an aluminum straw. And I always thought that was so fascinating and um, wasn't a big fan of it then. I think now I would because I just have much more of an acquired taste to just sort of tea plain by itself. But now there's all these different kinds of yerba mate drinks like carbonated with pomegranate and all these flavors. So they've made it quite tasty now ever since it's really made its way to being popular in the United States. But if you guys haven't heard about Yerba Mate, then you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. And you're like, let's get into talking about a black hole. All right. So if you want to share what your favorite drink is, go ahead and do that. For me, I'm probably going to be really plain and boring right now. And it's water. I really like water. Uh, but I also really like watermelon water. Uh so Probably my two favorite things. The uh, main thing I drink is water all the time. All right. Update. ISRO successfully test static fire test for, oh my God, uh, Gaganyan Mission. That is so exciting. Oh, I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, Astro KV, thank you for sharing that. Let's see. Um, Static test. uh, Isro static test. Let's see. Seven hours ago. Static test of human rated solid rocket booster. This is super cool. I am watching this. Let's see. This was just published May 13th, 2022. Here is the YouTube link. If anyone wants to check it out. Oh, coconut water. How could I forget about coconut water? My, I've been on a kick lately of drinking directly from coconuts. Um, uh, there was a juice bar out here that it was kind of like the first time I'd really seen just like coconuts, like wrapped in plastic and just like available to purchase. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And first time I like tried it, I just remember thinking this was so delicious. Um, but it wasn't here that the first time was that I tried it. The first time I tried it was in the Philippines, and it was so good. So similar to my mango experience, <laughs> actually unlike my mango experience where I had a crazy allergic reaction, uh, the uh, coconut, I had a, a really good reaction to it, as in I really liked it and enjoyed it. Um, and so ever since then, I've, I've really been on a kick with coconuts so maybe coconut water might be might be my my favorite drink so love that mario you shared that 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 is your favorite favorite drink um so this is what i'm i'm watching right now if you guys want to check this out let's put the sound on and see if we can hear anything Um, this is republic world's youtube channel this is the isro successful launch static test of human rated solid rocket booster hs200 oh it's just music I was kind of hoping for the sound of the, yeah, no, it's just a bunch of music. Um, I was kind of hoping, I love the sound of engines when they ignite. But anyway, putting the headphones all the way back on. Um, that's gonna. That's super exciting though. So kudos, snaps, uh, round of applause for, for Isra. That's really an exciting, exciting step forward. Um, okay, so let's kind of jump into this black hole image. So, sort of, let's see how to, how to how to even begin with this. Uh, I think let's start off with uh, talking about the first image that came through of a black hole, which was um, of M87, and this was uh, in April of 2019. And this was like a really big monumental moment. I remember when this image got shared, I was watching the press conference while I was in the makeup chair for a photo shoot. And I was living in, in New York at the time and just got so excited. And I was like, we're literally peering into one of the most mysterious objects of the universe. And, um, I I did tons of videos on this and kind of broke down all the different things that you see in this image from like the shadow of the black hole, the photon sphere, the event horizon, and and all the, all the, all this stuff that's sort of uh, reflecting here in this sort of fuzzy image. And so this image is quite similar. It was taken also by an array of telescopes uh, known as the Event Horizon Telescope. Um, And so it's tons of different telescopes spread around the world that uh, image this object. And then the images all come together and uh, basically are, are just sort of configured in the best way possible so that you can just create the most sharp Or clear image you can possibly make. Uh, And something I found to be really interesting while I was reading through this article on National Radio Astronomy Observatory, or NRAO, was that (laughs) they said it somewhere in the article. I can't find it now, but I wrote it down in my notes, uh, which are not very long. But it said that the um, picture that we see is actually an average difference of different images because it was moving so fast that it was kind of like trying to take a picture of a dog while a dog is moving around. And so sometimes you'll take pictures and it's like super blurry. So, you know, if, if anyone has ever done photography at like sporting events, you'll use sort of like a multiple frame per second shot. So like, maybe it's like a dozen frames per second that you can take. And so this way you're able to capture every single movement of say the runner or whatever the sporting event is, or say the dog that's moving. And so This led to a ton ton of different uh, uh, development and and technology sort of growth, kind of a a weird way to sort of put it. But but, um, a bunch of the researchers who were working on this were just trying to come together and create the best type of uh, image as possible. So they they were working on new ways to sharpen the image, new ways to uh, help make it just a little bit clearer uh, and to be able to image something that is moving really fast. So... Uh, As far as moving fast, uh, what we see, kind of this like glowing part, uh, is all of the sort of accreted matter uh, that is luminous, the luminous matter that is accumulating around the black hole. That center part is the shadow of the black hole. um, And this matter is what is releasing these lights. This is what's also known as the photon sphere and as you would move in soon, like closer and closer towards that center you would eventually reach the event horizon and the event horizon is that point that we've mentioned before it's kind of called the point of no return and it's a recent it's called the point of no return and that's because in order for things to escape this pull of the black hole it have to move faster than the speed of light that's what the escape velocity needs to be and as of right now we don't know anything that can move faster than the speed of light light can't even move faster than itself it sort of has this cosmic speed limit but this is and this is, doesn't mean that this is the true cosmic speed limit this is just from our understanding as human beings of what our speed limit may be in the universe from based on our understanding just really of physics. Um, So it could be a lot, you know, faster than that, but we just haven't been able to really figure it out just yet. So what's pretty cool about this is this image. uh, Where where was the thing right here? It said uh, a really good quote I want to read. This was by um, the Event Horizon Telescope project scientist named Jeffrey Bauer or Jeffrey Bauer. Uh, This is from the Institute of Astronomy and Astrophysics, and called in the, at the Academia Sinica in Taipei. And Geoffrey uh, says, we were stunned by how well the size of the ring agreed with predictions from Einstein's theory of general relativity. The size of the ring. So this this is, uh, I believe they're referring to sort of this glowing gas that's that's surrounding that central region or the shadow of the black hole. And it's causing this ring-like structure. And it's what's, what's happening is in this view, um, you'll notice some parts of it is a lot brighter and some parts are a little bit more orange. Some of them are more yellow, maybe even white almost. And this is due to a bending of light from the gravitational influence of the black hole. And so this is known as gravitational lensing. And if you were to say kind of move to a different perspective say move further to the right and look at the black hole like head on from the right it's going to also bend differently it's going to look slightly different um and this is sort of that mysterious thing happening around a black hole uh, is because it's spinning and it's rotating and all of that matter around it is also spinning and rotating and if that matter emits light and glows that's what we end up seeing here what i think is pretty interesting is just thinking about um Let's see when was Einstein's theory of gr um, published. Let's see what year was that published again? 1916. okay so 1916 is when it was published and he predicted the size of the ring of what the supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy would have been, which which I think is so crazy to think about. Uh, while I was listening to this article, because the way I usually read articles I'll, is I'll select the whole thing and then select speech. <laughs> I'll have the computer talk to me in this crazy robotic voice. Actually, let's play a little sample for you guys. We were stunned by how well the size of the ring agreed with predictions from Einstein's theory of general relativity, said DHT project scientist Jeffrey Bauer from the Institute yeah so kind of sounds a little bit weird um reminds me a little bit of uh Stephen Hawking's uh speech box but um uh but yeah but I, I thought that that really kind of like that 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 was pretty uh fascinating when I heard that part. I was like, wow, to be able to predict this mathematically you know uh, uh like so long ago is is really pretty cool so let's see I'm gonna read some of your comments and then I'm gonna get to sort of the other things I wanted to chat about uh with this with this um Black hole. So we've got... Uh, Picnics is Veritasium's latest episode of some uh, particulars about the ring size 2, perhaps. Ooh, I love what Derek Muller makes um, on his channel. Veritasium. Veritasium. All right. A picture of the Milky Way supermassive black hole. Wow. I am so impressed that he made this so, so quickly. Oh my goodness. I... Cannot keep up sometimes. Oh, this video is sponsored by KiwiCo. Oh, it's so great. I just worked with KiwiCo for Instagram. That's pretty awesome. Okay, so let's see. Yeah, this is a great video here. I'm going to go ahead and share this in the chat and then we'll watch it maybe on our own. I want to watch it a little bit later uh, rather than watching it live, Um, but it seems already like it's going to be super cool uh at specifically picnic you were saying that some particulars about the ring size okay i think that's going to be pretty cool to to sort of learn about here what he has to say um it was impressive that it was already ready to go yeah i think he probably we, we i think there was a lot in the news already that there was something coming out of the event horizon telescope and so uh Because a lot of people already knew of the name Event Horizon Telescope because of the M87 black hole, I think that a lot of us were kind of already sort of expecting it to be about the black hole, uh, about another black hole image. And I believe they even mentioned the Milky Way. So it's at that point, it's, it's probably, uh, we, we could, it's safe to assume that it was a, uh, um, thing about our black hole. So let me just go through a few more of your comments, um, no cap, in turn is going crazy. All I see is my feet is black hole. Yep, same. Um, I have not seen that where Kip Thorne explains how the movie Interstellar uh, as basically a replica of what was discovered of the M87 black hole. That's pretty cool. No, I will ha- I will also have to check that out. That's so awesome. Uh, yeah, just to, to just sort of mention, sort of mention um, if you're just joining the chat, we are talking about the first image of the supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy that was imaged for the first time. So I kind of want to break down that term. I just mentioned supermassive black hole. Um, it's not just a name that I'm sort of saying, like, because it's a really, really big black hole. It's, it's literally coined, it's like classified as a supermassive. There are other kinds of black holes. Um, there are stellar mass black holes, stellar, like star, mass so like about the same type of mass or same amount of mass as a star black hole and those black holes there's tons of them in, in the galaxy um, a lot of them we don't necessarily know where they are but some of them we know where they are and stellar mass black holes are the black holes that form when a star dies so not all stars die as a black hole some stars um will slowly expand and turn into a a uh, like an, an emission nebula or planetary nebula some stars um, will go from uh yeah being like you know really really massive to collapsing and then exploding as a supernova um, and sometimes depending on the amount of mass that is within them they could either form a neutron star or, or white or a white dwarf at the center of uh, which is what its core was. It's the center of where that nebula is, or the supernova remnant, or even more t- more so a black hole can form. And so a stellar mass black hole would be a sort of smaller black hole. So uh, it can be anywhere from a few times the mass of our sun. So when I say the mass of our sun, just imagine looking at our sun in space and then imagine like five five of our suns. And they can range from... Like a few masses to a dozen to thirty to about a hundred, and then there are intermediate mass black holes. and intermediate is a term used you know in, in the English language as sort of a middle size, a medium size. and intermediate black holes were only theoretical until recently when one was actually discovered, and it was discovered because of it being the result of two smaller black holes that collided. The smaller black holes are the stellar mass. So think stellar mass as small. Think intermediate as medium, and think supermassive as the large size. And supermassive black holes can be billions of times the mass of our sun. Billions, like a lot. So tons and tons of our sun sort of combined. But black holes also aren't really, uh, sometimes they're pretty large, but, but you, if you imagine, you know, a billion suns, you would think that it's going to be like super huge. But this is what kind of makes black holes so, uh, kind of peculiar in space is that, um, they're so dense because all of that mass is getting kind of squashed together and compressed inside the black hole. And it's starting to cause sort of like a funnel. Or a like rip, it possibly in the fabric of space, reaching a point of singularity, where there is, literally, like an infinite, an infinitesimal, amount of mass that's being squashed and squashed, and the more mass that's added, the more dense it becomes, and this is why it's considered a singularity, because it's not like more mass adds and so it gets bigger. No, it gets denser, so it gets smaller, and uh, and this is just so so crazy. Um, And we were reading yesterday that that also at this point is considered to be where time and space uh, kind of cease to exist. And it's like, how do you even fathom that? I don't know. So what's uh, interesting about it is stellar mass black holes are understood to form from the death of a star. Intermediate black holes are understood to form from the merging of smaller black holes. But what about supermassive black holes? These really, really massive things in space, how do they form? And also, uh, the understood sort of consensus here or theories when it comes to galaxies is that the center of, the, of most galaxies are a, is a supermassive black hole. Um, because of all of that amount of gravity, all of that influence of everything around it, it is sort of like enough to be able to start to attract larger amounts of matter. So it's spinning. Remember when we've talked about when a star forms, a baby star and it's spinning really fast, it can attract uh, matter around it in the form of an accretion disk. And this disk is where planets can start to form around that star. That's a smaller scale compared to a supermassive black hole. If a supermassive black hole is powerful enough and it's spinning, it can be accumulating matter from light years, hundreds of light years away, and eventually form something like a galaxy. This is my understanding of this. It's still not widely understood how supermassive black holes form um, or really like, yeah, how, how they got there in the first place. Uh, I know some of the theories kind of thought, talk about that they've been there since the very beginning of the universe. Since the very beginning of the big bang, since like, you know, after that, once, once, uh, you know, uh, quantum particles started to form and then once atoms started to form and then heavier elements started to form and, and then eventually matter and objects and things in space, uh, and eventually black holes may have formed around this period because there was just so much. Everything was so close to each other. So much mass, so much heat, like just so many crazy. The universe was so chaotic during this time. Whereas the universe is expanding right now and things are getting further away from each other. And so it's getting colder. And I usually like to sort of compare this to a crowded subway train. And so when you have like a really, really crowded subway train and the AC is on, the air conditioning, um, but you're still super hot because everyone's on top of each other. Everyone's breathing carbon dioxide. Uh, People are sweating. You have like, you know, occasionally people, you're literally, I've been on crowded subway trains where I can't even hold onto a pole. I have to hold onto the ceiling. And what holds me up is actually the compression of everyone around me. And if I go to fall forward, back, left, or right, I kind of just fall into another person. They fall into another person, but we're so packly, so densely packed, no one actually falls, um, as opposed to an empty subway train and you're the only one there. And it's freezing because the AC is still on the same temperature, full blast, but there's no one else around you generating heat. Um, so that's kind of how I like to think about the universe back then compared to now compared to the future and uh the universe is getting bigger and expanding and as it's expanding there's more space between objects and it's getting colder and so uh this is that's just a little bit of a rant but um uh that was basically what i kind of wanted to say as far as the supermassive black hole stuff goes um really really big it isn't exactly sure or understood yet how it was that they formed um but it is widely understood that they exist at the centers of galaxies, and because too of uh, sort of the their behavior in space and them having so much gravity and so much so much you know uh, accumulation of of matter coming close to it, this can cause lots of chaos. This can cause a lot of activity, and this can lead to an active galactic nuclei our agn which you might have heard about before which resides at the center of of galaxies sometimes not all the time um but if you have an active enough uh you know sort of um neighborhood i guess around the black hole uh you can eventually have an active galactic nuclei when this happens there can be you know jets of electromagnetic radiation being emitted or, or lots of powerful energy being emitted um which can then be detected through like gamma ray bursts or, or radio waves or ultraviolet radiation, like everything on the EM spectrum or electromagnetic spectrum. Um, so, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take a pause there. because I'm, <laughs> I'm getting really excited. I'm sort of, sort of, uh, ranting a little bit, but, but, uh, well, packed subways. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Um, and, uh, radio astronomy, obviously. So colors are just for show, I guess, arguably. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that because um, it's radio astronomy as opposed to so I think that this is based off of the temperature sequence because so if you guys check out here's the uh, here's the actual scientific journal publication. Um, and this the image shows brightness temperature uh, 10 to the 9k so this is Kelvin. Uh, the EHT, or Event Horizon Telescope, image of Sagittarius A, asterisk, which, by the way, is the supermassive black hole's name, Sagittarius A, asterisk, uh, it says, ring-like images dominate the wide range of images obtained across multiple methods, however, variability and sparse visibility domain coverage may be sele- make selection of a single image possible. So this is looking at multiple images um, and different temperature sequences, and then layering all the images on top of each other to eventually get the image that we see here. Um, that then says the uh, inset images represent different imaging solutions and their associated frequency. It's a little bit beyond my area of knowledge. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go ahead and look at this part, it says paper three, had different imaging solutions and their associated frequency. That's pretty cool. I'll revisit that another time because I, I can't even try to guess to explain that right now. So if any of you guys know exactly what that means, please do share. Otherwise, we can check that out. But from what my understanding is based on the um, NRAO article is that they used various like different techniques to take different images and then to sort of compare all the images together and eventually get this this one image Um and when they look at it, they're using different tools. They're using different, um, areas of, of, uh, like temperature, they're using different kinds of, um, of observations as well. So, um, that is, let's see. So that's, about, so let's see. So I wanted to mention the supermassive black hole compared to other types of black holes, um, M87, which is the original picture of a black hole that first came out, so for part of the M87 galaxy, so the first black hole picture. Um, And then I guess, let's see, we talked a little bit about the image, sort of what we're seeing here. Uh, We got some variation of brightness to dimness due to gravitational lensing, so that influenced the gravitational influence of the black hole. Um, And you guys kind of know what I mean when I say gravitational influence, by the way so uh i try to avoid necessarily i guess saying like gravitational force but like it you know in a way it is acting sort of like a a force on other things around it um but it's more so that it is it exists it has a gravity and then it affects nearby objects and so there's like some you know uh, experiences online where people are like well oh, it's technically a force but it, to sort of help everyone understand how gravity behaves in a way, it is like an acting force, even here on Earth. That's how we don't go flying into space. It's how we're being held and grounded down to our planet, because there is a force that is acting on us, um, which is known as gravity. But I won't get into semantics right now. I'm going to read this quick little segment here in the NSF and NRAO article uh, that kind of talks about the distance a little bit and the perspective of how this black hole would look compared to something on the moon. Here's a quote, because the black hole is about 27,000 light years away from Earth, it appears to us to have about the same size in the sky as a donut on the moon. Just think about that for a second. Because the black hole is this far away from us, 27,000 light years, it appears to us to have about the same size in the sky as a donut would on the moon. So if there was a donut on the moon. That's how it would look like to us. So to image it, the team created a powerful, the power created the powerful event horizon telescope, which linked together eight existing radio observations across the planet to form a single earth sized virtual telescope. The EHT observed Sagittarius A on multiple nights, collecting data for many hours in a row, similar to using a long exposure time on a camera. So I really like that section because that just kind of like really helped sort of break it down for us as far as perspective. Uh One of my favorite things about doing kind of what I do when it comes to SciComm is giving perspective. It's one thing to just spew a bunch of facts at people and just be like, oh, this is it, this is, this is, it. like, it's awesome. But I think for the most part, unless we sort of understand what it means, it won't really mean anything. And so it, it really is important, I think, to sort of... um make things sort of relatable and understandable and give that perspective to things that maybe we can comprehend and this is what i love so much about this article and this is what i love about a lot of these publications now that have really i think upgraded their their websites and their form of communication to the public is they make these things super relatable and i think that's really really cool um so let's see so that was uh, something else i wanted to share there's a really great um sort of infographic here that shows, uh, an illustration of the distance. And then it shows, um, the, this is cool. M Oh, the size of the black hole compared to the black hole at M87. So M87 is that other one that I mentioned, the first black hole picture that ever came to us from another galaxy. This was known as M87. That was the galaxy. And this one, um, this is back in 2019 uh, in April, and M87 is a thousand times larger than Sagittarius A. Uh, so, so if you kind of look at those comparisons, it's pretty cool. So, I recommend checking out that infographic on the uh, website I shared. This is public.nrao.edu, and then it also shows that it's about 17 times larger in diameter than the Sun. So our black hole at the center of our galaxy is 70 ti- 17 times larger um, than our sun. So 17 suns would fit across the diameter of Sagittarius A. And then it kind of mentions here, 300 plus researchers uh, were, were took part in this, this project to try and actually get this really cool image that we now have today. And 80 institutes came together to produce this image. And I love that um, because this is why I always say that collaboration is key. Collaboration is really important. Uh, We've got to have that, I think, more often in order to, um, I don't know, move forward as humanity. And uh, to, to share one final thing here, this is one more website. This is the Event Horizon Telescope's blog. And, um, you can read this on your own. I have not read it. Um, I just noticed the link on NRAO now, all I did was kind of go through the scientific paper, um, on, uh, uh, and then on NRAO as well. So I went through the IOP Science, um, the astrophysical journal letter, and then also that one, but here's a, another really cool picture. Uh, and let's see if there's any other cool thing I wanted to read to you guys here. But either way, so so I guess one final thing I'll sort of say here is sort of what our reactions are. Um, I don't know. When I first saw it, I guess I, I didn't feel awestruck like I did for the first picture, which was uh, for the, for the M87, even though that was a very different, you know, it's not our home galaxy. M87 is another galaxy, but this one is our home galaxy. This is the Milky Way, but just sort of, I guess being honest, like I wasn't, um, I wasn't like super blown away. I thought it was super cool. I was like, this is, this is right. Like I'm so glad we did this, but I think that it's, I'm, I'm okay with it that I wasn't, Like, super excited. And it's probably because we had already, I knew what to expect because of M87. When I saw M87, I was like pretty, pretty shocked, like pretty blown away. I'd only seen illustrations. All of, I think, humanity has only seen artist renditions, computerized models. And so to really see like an actual picture that we had taken is really cool. And the same thing with this, like the fact that humans have been able to. Develop instruments that are able to process a picture like this is really really fascinating, Um, but I guess to me what what was what what I what I'm excited about and about sort of not being excited I guess is sort of thinking about how uh, what am I trying to say? It's like I like that it's something that it's like okay, what's next? We've we've imaged black holes before. Now this is our second picture. And, like, what's gonna, what's the, what are the next instruments going to be like? Like, how are we gonna be now able to now advance from these sort of fuzzy, blurry, reddish, shadowy pictures to something even closer, to something even more advanced? And, and, uh, I mean, maybe that's just me not being in the present moment, cause I am. I think this is still super cool. And I'm gonna probably make this my wallpaper. Um, but I think like having that sense of mystery. That, that I I still feel about the M87 black hole. Now I get to think like, okay, like let's, let's get closer now to our galaxy's black hole. If you guys want to look up the M87 black hole with me really quick, um, go ahead and do that. I, I'm looking at it right now. And this was just, yeah, so, so cool to sort of just think about that this was like yeah like our our first time as just biological beings as a species living on a planet to see an object that's just existing in space. Uh, and I think that that is still super fascinating. Um, but I guess I just i I can't wait for the the sort of next discoveries to be made um, about these about these these objects. I can't wait to see. Yeah, I'd be curious to see other kinds of black holes, because now we have two supermassive black holes that we've imaged. But what about a stellar mass black hole? Um, Is it going to be as luminous? Is it going to have this like photon sphere or this light, this ring to be as as bright? I don't know. Um, So I'd love to sort of see see more. uh, But hopefully, hopefully I'll be around for that. Hopefully uh, it's not something that'll take us, you know, another few hundred years to to be able to achieve, um, you know, well, actually, uh, I guess we'll just say a hundred years from when I it was first, you know, uh, predicted by Einstein. Uh, so hopefully it won't be another hundred years before we get something else. That's really cool. But yeah, but so anyway, so, so that's sort of my, my response, my reaction. I think that it's, it's really, really cool. And I think there's more that we're going to be learning. Um, and what really helps us are these types of simulations. So let's look up black hole computer simulation and check that out. Um, and let's see. Oh, hello. I just noticed a few more people just joined the chat. What's up? Uh, Banyan and Charlie. Hello. Hello. Uh, we are actually just now wrapping up on this episode, kind of chatting about this supermassive black hole that is at the center of our galaxy that was imaged for the first time. Um, and now I've shared quite a few links. I'm going to go ahead and share. This image is one of my favorites. This is on NASA's website. Um, and this was probably one of the first kind of visualizations we've been able to really process and understand of what happens around a black hole, what's happening due to gravitational lensing, so which is what I mentioned earlier. Due to the gravitational influence of the black hole, you're going to have a warping and bending of light around it. Um, so if you check out that article I just shared and you scroll down you can see this gif that was created of um what the black hole would look like if you're looking at it edge on and uh if you want to sort of check that out and then look back at our current image of the um of the black hole that we got uh just yeah kind of kind of look at the two um, I might put together a video, maybe this week, sort of sort of doing a comparison between the M87 black hole and then um, the Milky Way black hole, so Sagittarius A, and to sort of see the the differences and and why it is that this one is is so much fuzzier, so much more blurry um, uh, compared to the the previous one, which is so much further away from us. Because uh, it's it's still super fascinating and it's super cool, and I'm really happy that we've made it to this point where we're able to image such mysterious objects. Because up until this point, it wasn't observe, uh, I guess, observationally proven. The the best proof that was really uh, sort of existing was just the the behavior around a black hole. But this is the first time there is a visual proof of the existence, which is pretty exciting. I guess the first time was really when M87 came out in 2019. But yeah, so that is um, about everything I wanted to share. Uh, I hope you guys are as excited about this as I am. I think this is still a super fascinating image to come out. I hope you guys get to make this the wallpaper of your computers. Um, And as always, I hope you guys get to get outside and actually look up at the sky, Take some time away from the big city lights, get away from the light pollution, and just gaze up at the stars. Reconnect yourself to the cosmos um, because at the end of the day, that's, that's part of us. That's where we are. That's where we are in our giant cosmological universe, our cosmological neighborhood. Um, and, and it's really important, I think, to always reconnect when we can. Alrighty, everyone. Well, thank you all so much for joining. Um, I hope you guys really enjoyed uh, this episode, and I hope you get to go ahead and do some of your own research, do some of your own reading, and look up some some videos of this black hole, um, because I really think this is this is a huge part for a huge moment for uh, the field of astrophysics, and I think there's going to be a lot more coming in the future of these sort of mysterious objects that are becoming less and less mysterious as we image them one by one. Alrighty, everyone. We'll have a wonderful rest of your Friday. Uh, I may or may not be doing an episode tomorrow. Uh, I did schedule it. um, So we might be doing that. I'm actually going to be going to kitten yoga in the morning. That is right. Yoga with kittens. So I'm really excited for that. Um, But either way, if I don't get to chat with you guys, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And make sure you get outside, look up at the stars. And as always, Ad Astra.